So our scripture today is from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thanks, Chris. Well, a couple weeks ago, we kicked off groups, and I'm in uh, Alpha, which is our group exploring the Christian faith, and we started the, our time together in that group asking this question. If there is a God, what would you ask him? Uh, there's a lot of really fun, interesting, engaging uh, questions that were, be, were being asked that night. For instance, how could, how could there be pain and suffering if God is good, for instance? Uh, one person asked the question I hadn't heard before was... Um, uh, how can we only use 10% of our brains? I thought that was really interesting. I said, I'm, I, I confess, I'm not sure that's going to be within the scope of Alpha, but if it comes up, we'll talk about it. I mean, it's a fascinating thought. Here was my question, though. Uh, how does prayer work? Um, because I, I, I went on to share, you know, I've, I've been a Christian for any number of years. I've, I've read the scriptures about prayer. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it uh, in, in the life of others who follow Jesus. And I have seen and I am convinced that there is a real power in prayer. I believe the promises of the Bible about prayer. But still, I wonder about how it works. Like, I, my question would be, what, what, is, what is this about prayer? I'd ask about prayer. Uh, that's what makes the text in front of us so fascinating. Uh, this text here, while it doesn't necessarily answer all of the questions that we might have about prayer, or even seek to answer all those questions, it does answer plenty of those types of questions. But we have something here of uh, infinitely more valuable, and that is in, it is Jesus' teaching on prayer itself. We have what Jesus would say to the question of uh, what, what does it mean to pray. Uh, if you look at verse 2, that's actually how this whole thing kicks off. His disciples, that is his students, ask of him, Lord, teach us to pray. And so this text we have just read before us so that we're going to be jumping into is Jesus' response to that, that very question. So whether you're exploring the Christian faith or whether you're new to it or you've been following Jesus for any length of time, Jesus here teaches you, teaches me to pray. Uh, what we're going to do is look at two things, kind of two headers. Um, we're going to look at why Jesus 
shows us prayer is important. And then two, how we can go about praying. So we're going to look at why prayer is important and then a couple of practical ways to go about praying. But first, let's pray. Father, thank you for this gift of prayer. Thank you for this, at times, challenging, exhilarating, confusing, arduous, uplifting, joyful practice of prayer. As you did with your disciples back then, would you please do so for us today? Would you teach us to pray? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, so first, why prayer is important. And the first thing Jesus shows us here in this text, it seems to me, is that prayer leads us into greater intimacy with God. Uh, The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Um, Elsewhere, he says, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He starts, he says, when you begin prayer, start with the word Father. Uh, That's to say, prayer is first and foremost about relationship. Um, and it helps us into greater intimacy with God, which I think is important for us to consider for a number of reasons. For, for, for one thing, if you're anything like me, uh, when it comes to thinking about prayer, or actually more likely than not, the practice of prayer, how, often, uh, how do we often come to it? Uh, it seems to me we often come to it with God help me, or God provide. We bring our needs, we bring our wants. Uh, God uh, help me in this interview that's coming up. You know, help, help me in this relationship that I'm in. Maybe there's a challenging relationship. God, would you help me? Or God, would you please provide affordable housing in the Silicon Valley? I know I'm throwing up a miracle here, but would you please, would you please help me in that way? The crazy thing is, God does care about our needs and our wants. We'll see that here in a moment. But he does so out of an overflow of his relationship with us. Prayer is first and foremost a relationship. It's a two, two-way street. And we have a privileged relationship with him. If you were here last week when we kicked off our new series, Parables, looking at some of these stories of spiritual truths that Jesus taught. Yes, there is a parable in today's story. We'll get to that in a moment. But if you were here when we kicked off last week, we looked at the, what's commonly referred to as the story of the prodigal son. And if you were here, you know that I suggested that maybe that's not the best of names for it. Uh, in terms of at least the general meaning or the the main meaning of that text. Because first of all, Jesus says, I'm going to tell you a story of two sons in that parable. So it's not just one son, it's two sons. You have the younger brother who's who's just rebellious, and you have the older brother who's just resentful. But even that being the case, I don't think the story should even be called the story of two sons. It should probably be called something like the story of the initiating love of the father. Because what we see in that story is God the father going after each one of these sons. Even when the rebellious son is still a far way off, but coming back, the father pursues and goes after him. And then when the older brother's out in the fields, just resentful and bitter and all that sort of thing, the father pursues him, even pleading with him, caring for him, loving him. And of course, Jesus was teaching that parable to show us our relationship with him, that whether we're rebellious or whether we're resentful, wherever we might be at on our spiritual journey, it really comes down to God pursuing us and us receiving that. And so, how do we best do that? How do we most engage in that relationship? Well, by prayer. I've heard it said that prayer is the most important activity of your life, Uh, that it could actually be said that it's the very purpose for which you were created, um, because uh, you were created to be in relationship with God. And how do we communicate in relationship with God? Well, by prayer. If you love someone, you want to spend time with them. Uh, You want to communicate with them. You want to grow in relationship with them. And that's how we do it with God, through prayer. Ephesians 2.18 says this, 
through Him, that is Christ, we have access to the Father by one Spirit. Uh, In the text before us, Jesus says, pray the word Father. Christian prayer is to the Father. In fact, a lot of Bible scholars here, when they look at this text, they think that Jesus probably had an even more nuanced word behind what he's saying here. So, of course, this is translated into English for us today, but it was first written into the language of Greek, but Jesus actually didn't speak Greek. Okay? Greek was the written language of the time. Jesus spoke Aramaic, and often how he would speak about praying to the Father in Aramaic was actually with the word Abba, which if you translate directly, Greek doesn't have an equivalent, so we don't really have, you can't really translate here. But in English, a better translation would be the word kind of daddy or papa. Um, you know, when my kids call me daddy, I just get so happy. In fact, my little guy, oh, we're out in the ball field the other day with a group of his friends. And, you know, I said, okay, Caleb, throw it to daddy. And I had one of these moments where I'm like, oh, no. Like, all of his second grade buddies are also hearing me call, say, call me daddy. And he didn't recognize, like, think of anything because he's still young enough. And his teammates and his friends didn't recognize anything. But I had a moment of like, man, I got to lead out in this and change my term. I had a little sad moment out in the field. I was like, oh, I'm not going to let my daughter get away with that. You know, I'm still daddy to you. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how that's going to work. We'll see. But daddy is just, Jesus is inviting us into addressing God in the most intimate way imaginable. Daddy, papa, father, the one who made the heavens, the sun, the moon, the skies, the stars, the one who holds life in his hands, we can come to as father, as daddy. Uh, Alpha actually does a night on the topic of prayer, and they tell this story of a young man who was fighting in the Union Army during the Civil War. And, uh, you know, he was out there fighting on the fields, and he he had some tragic news uh, get back to him. And that is, his brothers, who were actually also out fighting, had both been killed, and his dad, who was at home, had tragically passed away, which meant his mother and his sisters were out in the fields, like back at home, and just in real trouble. I mean, that was just different times, different place. And if that son wasn't able to get back and care for them, they were just they were, they were in a lot of, a lot of trouble. And so while this young soldier was on uh, military leave, he figured, you know what, I'm going to go to the White House and see if I can get the president's attention, see if I can ask for a military exemption. So he makes his way to the White House, um, but the guards, the workers there, they stop him. And they say, what are you doing here? You can't see the president. He's too important for you. So this young soldier, feeling dejected, feeling defeated, found a nearby park bench and was just kind of sitting there sad, just sullen, and just trying to figure out what to do. And about this time, a young boy came up to him, was just playing uh, around the area, and saw this young soldier and said, he said, hey, you know, why are you looking so sad? And so the soldier told this child, hey, this is what, you know, uh, you know, I'm going through. This is, I want to get to the White House, but I can't. And the young boy looked up to him and said simply, Come with me. And so he took this young soldier's hand in his own, and he started leading him back towards the White House. And when he got there, uh, he just took him right past the guards, right past the workers, right past all the officials, the decorated generals, and right up to the doors of the Oval Office, and didn't even bother knocking before going in. And of course, there was Abraham Lincoln looking over his maps, and Abraham Lincoln sees the boy come in and the soldier with him and looks up at the boy with a big smile and says, son, what can I do for you? And the son says, you've got to hear this guy's story. You've got to listen to him. Um, we have access to the Father through the Son. We have access 
because of what the Son has done for us in the gospel. That is the barrier, the partition has been broken down, has been torn down. Jesus, after living the life we should have lived, are called to live, died the death that we deserve, and so now we can come to him, we can come to God, not as outsiders, not as servants, but as sons and daughters to our Heavenly Father. So Jesus says, pray, Father. And then if we put the words uh, of this model prayer up on the screen, he also encourages us, because of this relationship, we therefore then come to him in praise, as as we just sang these words, in fact. Hallowed be your name. Uh, That word can be translated any number of ways, but it just means, means, God, you are holy. You are set apart. There is no one or nothing like you. We come to him in relationship and intimacy and praise. And then, of course, we come to him aligning ourselves to his will. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Uh, This is often one of the most important places for me in prayer, and that is to realize that it's not about David's kingdom. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I think I can can so often go about this life thinking it's about my kingdom. The world revolves around me. No, no, no. Uh, His kingdom come. His will be done. We align ourselves with his will. And then because the Father loves us and does care for our needs, he encourages us to pray, give us each day our daily bread. But notice that's not praying for a a warehouse of bread, okay? It's our our daily bread. I think we can often get more confused living in 21st century uh, Silicon Valley of all places, confused about what constitutes our needs versus, dare I say, our greeds. Um, But the promise is he will take care of our needs, And then we come to him confessing our sins. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. Confession is is a way in relationship to bring ourselves back in alignment, our spirit back in alignment with him. Because truth is we wander all the time. We stray in various ways from him and what he's called us into. And so prayer is an opportunity for us to come back, bring that before him, say, Lord, I've missed the mark. I need to receive again anew from you your forgiveness, your grace, your strength, indeed your joy. And then Jesus says, and we ought to pray, again, out of relationship, lead us not into temptation. That's to say, asking him for his help in ways seen and unseen, in ways anticipated or that we could never anticipate. Um, Prayer is first and foremost a relationship. It leads us into greater intimacy with God. So here's a question I have for you, because this is a question I've been asking myself this week. (laughs) invite you into it. Do you go to God in prayer for God or for you? Now, when I ask that, I don't mean to make you feel guilty or feel bad about yourself if you feel that way, because the fact of the matter is God says, come and bring our needs. So I'm not trying to lay it in and make you feel bad. I'm actually, by asking that question, asking myself that question, is inviting us into something that we can so easily miss, and that is the access of relationship with our Heavenly Father. Because if all we do in prayer, or if mostly what we do in prayer is just bring our laundry list of things, needs and wants, we actually miss out on some of the best part, if not the best part, of prayer. So I encourage you to think about it this week. And by the way, if you're sitting here today and you're wondering, or you're, you're just thinking, David, this all sounds great, but it sounds kind of spiritual. You know, it sounds like, I, I don't, kind of lofty. Like, I'd love to come to God in relationship. I don't know how that works for me. I don't know if I've experienced that before or even what that would look like to experience. If that's you, 
Let's cheat and look down at verse 13 real quick, if you would. I'm not sure it's going to be on the, on the board. I apologize for that. But Jesus ends this whole thing by saying, if parents know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You know what that's saying to you if you're thinking, oh, I don't know if this works for me or if like, this, I'm spiritual enough for that? Jesus is saying, just ask me. Because there's nothing he's more excited to give you than himself. And so you can bring that to him, even ask, Father, would you just, I've never prayed to you before, I don't even know how this works, this feels a little awkward, but would you reveal yourself to me? I want to experience you, I want to learn about you. Would you give me your Holy Spirit as you promise? And the promise here is if you're asking with an open heart, he will give himself to you. Well, after sharing this model prayer, Jesus launches into parable. Okay, verse 5 says, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a, uh, a, friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Now, some context here to understand what's going on here in this, in this parable. Uh, back then in the ancient Middle East, actually it's true today in, in many, many parts, but back then especially, most traveled at night in order to avoid the desert heat of the day. Okay, so a lot of people were traveling at night, which meant it was, very, it was common practice for folks to show up in the middle of the night. And this being a very hospitable culture meant you, you were on duty to take them in. Like it was not only your responsibility, it was your joy, your honor to help folks. And again, you know, 2,000 years ago, it's not like they could text you or email you like, hey, I'm on my way. It's just they'd show up in the middle of the night, surprise, and you know, you'd have to like watch them. Could you imagine if like, your in-laws showed up in the middle of the night? Today's culture. Okay, anyways, but that was the culture, and that's, it was very hospitable, and so that, that, that's what they do. Now, when people showed up in the middle of the night, it meant you took care of them, and if they had done a long journey, you were feeding them, um, and if you didn't have food, you were scrounging around trying to find food and all of that, um, and so if you didn't have food, you're trying to figure out, what, what do I do? Where do I get it? And so Jesus is saying, suppose like, you know, you remember like your, your buddy next door had baked bread that day. What you're going to do in that situation back then is go over to your buddy in the middle of the night and wake said friend up. Now, how it worked back then is, is people lived in essentially one-room shacks, okay? And there would have been these large you know, rugs that everybody would have basically slept on. Bigger families than today, so you get the picture. It's just everybody's sleeping in one spot. So when you went over to your friend's house and knocked on the door, everybody was getting up. <laughs> You know, I could just imagine the dad just like pulling kids off him, like, you know, playing, you know, pretzel or whatever, and just walking over awaking bodies to go see what's up. And so, okay, that's kind of the scenario Jesus is describing here. He says, suppose, he goes on, the one inside answers, dude, it's one in the morning. You know, don't bother me. You're waking up the kids. I'm exhausted after a long day. I can't give you anything. Jesus says, no, you guys all know in that culture, that's not how it would work. He says, I tell you, even though you will not get up and give the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Uh, in other words, because of the craziness of it all, of, of that request, the awkward circumstances, he's going to do it. Um, prayer is important because it leads us into greater intimacy. Here we see, it seems to me, prayer leads us into greater trust in God. Now, now where do we see that? Uh, let's first consider what Jesus is not saying here with this parable, okay? So what Jesus is not saying with this parable is you and I need to go to God and just bug him because after a while, he'll be so annoyed at us that he'll finally just relent, okay? That's not what Jesus is saying in this parable, 
Okay, you have any, pla- any number of places throughout the scriptures that just show us God is never annoyed with us. And actually, even in this text, it shows us that's just not what Jesus' point is. Okay? Uh, that's not what, what Jesus is saying. So what is Jesus saying in this parable? He's saying, look, you understand how people work. And if you go even to a buddy in the middle of the night and you ask them and you just, you just keep at it, you just come at them with even just an outrageous request, he'll respond to you favorably. <laughs> um, so then... How much more will God, who is not annoyed with you for coming to him, is never inconvenienced by you coming to him, how much more will he listen and respond if you just keep coming to him, if you are persistent and you don't stop? In other words, Jesus is not talking about God and how he relates to us in prayer so much as he's talking about our need to not give up and to trust Um, Jesus is showing us that prayer leads us into greater trust. Look, God knows what we want before we even ask. And he wants to respond, and favorably so. Uh, Look at these next words that Jesus uh, speaks in order to draw his conclusion. He says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. By the way, these words are written in in Greek in the active, present, indicative. All that's to say is our English actually isn't, at least this translation isn't catching the the thrust of it. Keep asking, you know, keep seeking, uh, continually knock. For, verse, verse 10, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. Which of, your father, which of you fathers, if your, chi- if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if, you ask for, or if he asks for an egg, you'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God not only knows what you or I want before we ask of him, uh, he also knows better than what we know to even think or ask for. Um, Just like our earthly fathers, especially when we're really little, know best for us. Uh, Halloween's coming up. I can guarantee you my two little ones are going to be asking for way more candy than they should probably eat for the next month, okay? They're just going to be asking for tons of candy. And you know that if I were to just give them all that candy, it's not going to go well for any and all parties involved, okay? So that's not going to happen. I don't know why my brain just went. Have you seen Jimmy Kimmel's, like, parents prank the kids? They just wake up the next day, mommy and daddy ate all your candy. I'm not going to do that. But the point is you, you, have, to, you have to, in wisdom as being a parent, look, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this this way. And I think, um, if we, I think often what we do is we come to God and we think we know or we know we know what we really need. God, I know. Maybe we don't say that, but we, we feel that. I know what I need, but do we? Do we really know? Because sometimes I, I'm not sure we do. Prayer isn't a kind of slot machine, I've heard it said. Um, you, you put in a prayer and you get an answer exactly how and when you want. Um, it has been said, you can, you can describe it like a traffic light. Think of it this way. Sometimes in prayer, it's like it's a green light. That's a, you know, you pray and God answers it. That's great, wonderful. But sometimes it's a red light. It's a no. You know, I used to wrestle with the idea of why isn't God answering my prayers? Especially when you just read this text, ask, seek, knock, and it will be given. How does that work? But you know what I realized? I realized I was actually not thinking about it too, too deeply. Because what I was actually really wrestling through was not why isn't God ask, answering my prayers. What I was really wrestling with was why isn't God answering my prayers my way 
and in my timing. Anyone else? That's yeah, just me. Um, I look back on my life now, and I see that there are things I had been praying for, but I am so thankful God said no. Any of you? Um, I have a former pastor of mine used to describe it this way. In college, he had the hots for this one girl, and he's just like, I'm convinced she's the one. And so he prayed towards that, and he saw their future. He's like, God, I know she's the one. You know she's the one, by the way. I know she's the one. Would you work it out for her, for this to, to work out between her and me? And then when it didn't work out, he was crushed. But then, a few decades later, looking back, he's like, oh, my goodness, I am so thankful God answered the prayer of no in that way. Because now he's married to his wonderful wife, and they've just had a life of ministry together, and he's just like, oh, my goodness, God protected me from myself. And how I thought what I needed wasn't what I actually needed. Uh, sometimes it's a red light, and the answer is no. And you know, to be real about it, sometimes there are times when it's unclear why the answer is no. And that can be really hard. Uh, Cindy and I, we and, and our family lost her dad, as many of you, you know, uh, early. You know, just 60. Um, wonderful man. He had just, by the way, spiritually speaking, just put his faith in Jesus. Was just starting to run with it. He's the kind of guy you could just call and just get tons of just loving, patient wisdom from. Just a real rock in the family. And so when we lost him real early, that was just a real struggle. And so when we, when we did lose them, Cindy and I, we, we, we prayed something like, God, we don't understand why this is happening, but it, it hurts. But we're not going to stop trusting in you. We're not going to stop praying. Uh, Corey Tenboom, who is famous for hiding and helping Jews escape Nazi Germany. In fact, she was caught for doing that and was, was placed in a concentration camp herself. She said this about prayer. When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the driver. Um, other times, it's a, it's a yellow light. That just means wait. So if my little guy asked me to, uh, asked to drive my car, I would not say, yes, uh, go have at it. Um, but that doesn't mean the answer to that is never. Um, we need to trust in God's perfect timing. The heart of prayer is to lead us into greater intimacy with God. It's to lead us into greater trust in God. I love the wording that Jesus used to describe the person in the parable, how they came with shameless audacity. Um, you know what that makes, you know what that does in our hearts when we just keep coming? And, you know, the word could also be translated, just was persistent, just kept coming, coming, coming with it. You know what I think that does when we do that? Is it helps us when we just come to God over and over again and we just, with great dependence, it helps us actually truly see God's working in our lives that we would otherwise probably miss. Because the truth is, I humbly believe, I've, ha I've humbly witnessed, that God is at work in our lives all the time, and we so often miss it. Um, uh, you know what I'd encourage you to do, and I've had a lot of pastors over the years encourage me to do, and I've rarely done it, so I'll say that. One of our values here is authenticity, so there's my confession. But um, I'm encouraging you to do something that... I've had to work myself into. I'd encourage you to think about doing a prayer log or a prayer journal, or if that's too intense, a prayer sheet, you know, prayer app on your iPhone. I don't know. Just, just something easy, right? Um, I used to not do it, but then I did it, and I was like, oh, wow, wow. Um, I've shared with you guys that when we first stepped out to, to start the church, like, that was just something that, that led me to a lot of prayer. 
um, just out of just sheer dependence. And I wish I had been more of a person of prayer before then, but that was just something that just led me, led me into it. And I remember one time I was flying back. I was in the airport in, in Dallas, and I had just visited with a partner church there who literally had just told me, right, but right before I got into the airport, that it was probably not going to happen, our partnership. <laughs> you know, they're probably not going to support current. It's for logistical reasons, this and that. And so we're, I, was just, I was just kind of bummed and sitting there for this plane. I was, they couldn't come soon enough, right? And, I was just, and the funny thing is they had given me a journal. They had gifted me a journal. So I'm sitting there with the journal. I'm like, you know, I'm going to use this thing. And I heard people say prayer. Like, man, if there's ever a time that I need to be praying, it's now. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to write out some prayers. Let's just do this. I'm waiting for this flight. I don't have anything else to do. So, I'm just, uh. so I just started writing out. I was like, God, it would be crazy if you did this in the next, I don't know, I said three years, whatever. I just, I wanted, what I wanted to do with this exercise was I'm going to put numbers involved. I'm not a big numbers guy, like, but I just want to be like, hey, I'm just going to be tangible about this. I was like, okay, you know, next number of years, that would be awesome if a number of church partners would, would actually partner with us. Maybe even this one, which, by the way, they did. That's fun. Um, but, you know, a number of church partners, that, we, that we'd grow to a size, to a certain amount of size, and I put, put a number there, and that, you know, that we'd see people come to put their faith in Jesus, and I put, put a number there, that we'd be able to raise funds in this area. Okay, I put a number there. That we'd be able to get into a space that would work for us. I just kind of went on like that for a little bit, and then I closed the journal, somewhat hopeful, but I'll be real, heavy-hearted too. I think, okay, God, you, you know, you got to do this. And I didn't really think about it for a long time. But then I came back to, I remembered it recently, and I was just blown away looking back on that and being like, oh my goodness, God answered, not only answered just about every single one of those things, he answered in such a way that was like exceedingly greater or better than I had even articulated. And you know what that did for me? It made me realize that God is so good. You know, I... If I had never done that, I'm just speaking for myself, I could have just gone through this and been like, okay, these things just kind of work themselves out. But now I look at that journal entry and I'm like, okay. Talk about intimacy with God. Talk about hopefully having more trust in God. Um, I think that's what God is doing. He wants to build into us greater intimacy and greater trust in Him. He invites us to bring things to Him, knowing that He has your best in mind, by the way. Even as it might not come in the way you would hoped it to come or come at the timing that you would hoped it to come. The promise is he loves you greater than any earthly father here could. He's your heavenly father. So we need to come to him in prayer because why? One, it leads us into greater intimacy with him. And two, it leads us into greater trust with him. That's why prayer is important. Now, real quick, I want to talk about uh, how we can go about praying. Just real quickly here, some practical ways that we see from this text. Just kind of glean out that we can pray. Uh, three thoughts. One, keep it simple. Two, keep it honest. Three, keep it ongoing. Uh, I like this, um, uh, this, frame, this, this, this framework here that, that helps us. Number one, keep it simple. Uh, notice that Jesus' model prayer here is really simple. Uh, you could probably pray this prayer that Jesus has here at the top, Father, hallowed be your name. You could probably do it in one breath. It's not long. And by the way, it doesn't have a, just a ton of lofty language involved in it. In, in Jesus' day, the religious leaders taught, many of them at least, that you had to pray real lofty, elaborate prayers in order for God to actually listen to you. Now, we might chuckle at that, but I think actually in practice, a lot of us actually function that way. We think that, man, we've got to really just kind of work ourselves up into holiness, or at least expressing it like that, and wax poetic in our prayers. But no, 
In fact, other places, Jesus says, do not go on rambling, because the Father already knows what you need. In fact, he knows better than what you need than you can ask. Just bring it simply before him. Um, so that means when you're praying before a meal or whatever, it doesn't have to just, just, you know, think of a lot of uh, movies that have the main character pray before a meal. Not that. Just a simple, straightforward prayer. Uh, keep it simple. Number two, keep it honest. Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. Um, bring who you are and what's on your heart and mind as you are. Um, one, one idea that was shared is that you can bring whatever emotion you're feeling to God. I love this thought. You know, God, I'm, I'm, I'm really joyful today. And let that be a basis for you to launch into thanking God and praising Him with that emotion. Or, God, I feel really tired today. Uh, let that be a prayer, a basis for you to come to Him for comfort and rest of the soul. God, I'm feeling really frustrated or angry today. Uh, let that be the basis for confession and receiving grace and strength in the midst of whatever challenge that might be. Keep it simple, keep it honest, and then finally keep it ongoing. Don't just ask, keep asking. Don't just seek, keep seeking. Don't just knock, keep knocking. Um, one of the greatest joys I think we will experience in prayer is actually not necessarily in the most formal of times, the most planned of times, which it could mean anything for any, anybody. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you must get up and the first thing you do upon daylight, pray. Or before you go to bed, you must. It doesn't say that, but those are typically good times to pray as you think about the day before and, or ahead and, and as you think about the day behind. Uh, but let's say, or, or when you pray for a meal, like you have these more formal times, but there's, you can keep prayer ongoing throughout the day. So that's some of the richest times of prayer, frankly, when you're just walking about or going to work or heading out of a meeting or heading into a meeting, just taking whatever you're feeling, whatever you're thinking to the Lord and just praying praying those to him. Okay, so we've seen uh, Jesus teaching on the importance of prayer and how we can pray. You know, as we conclude and, and, the, and the band starts to make their way up, uh, I just want to finish with these thoughts, and that is to, to note that Jesus isn't just preaching these words. These words aren't just academic. He was living these words. In fact, if you look again to the very first verse, it says Jesus was out praying in a certain place. We have this text because the disciples saw him doing this very thing, and we're like, Jesus teaches to pray. Uh, the thought there is if Jesus needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? Okay, so Jesus was living this out, modeling this out, but you know what? Of all the times he prayed, you know what the very next prayer recorded in the Gospel of Luke that we have happens to be? It's him praying in the garden right before he was betrayed. On the night that he already knew Judas, one of his disciples, had gone out to set into motion his arrest, his trial, and ultimately his execution. When that was already at play, it's just hours before all that was going to happen. Jesus is in the garden, and he's praying. And what does he pray? Perhaps the most powerful prayer we have recorded. He said, Father, may this cup pass from me. Uh, what, what kind of prayer is that, by the way? That's a real prayer. That's him coming as he is. What was he praying in that moment? The Son of God, the Savior of the world? He was saying, is there a way out? I don't want to go to the cross. Because he didn't just look at the physical pain of it. He saw the spiritual pain of bearing the weight of the sin of the world upon himself. And he didn't want to go. Nevertheless, he continued to pray, not my will, but your will be done. 
and thank God that the answer to his prayer was for him to still go to the cross. Because in so doing, he brought us into his family. Jesus didn't just live, uh, Jesus didn't just teach about prayer, just think about it academically. He lived prayer, he died prayer, and he's the one that we can come to know for certain that the Lord cares for us and is for us. Even when things aren't clear or it's working out the way we'd want to, we can go to him first and foremost in relationship, growing in greater intimacy, but also growing in greater trust because we know we're going to the one who not only taught about this, but actually lived this, even died this. So my question to you today is wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, what's your next step? Like, what does this mean for you in terms of praying? You know, maybe you've never prayed before. You could start there. God, I've never done this before. I, you know, I, I want to call you Father. I just, I, and and I, my request is the same one that the disciples had that day. Would you teach me to pray? And just start there. Give me your Holy Spirit. Um, maybe you've been praying for many years. Uh, maybe there's, you've been in a season of not really praying, or maybe you've been in a season where it's been up or down or whatever it might be. What, what would this lead you into? Maybe it's going to God for him a little bit more and less for you, even for others, even as he cares about such things. But let's think about that ourselves, even as we come to him now corporately in prayer. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for prayer. Thank you for the means in which we can come to you and talk to you, communicate with you. Uh, we give you praise for who you are. Hallowed be your name. You are set apart. There is nothing or no one greater than you in many respects, but in, in one respect in the sense of that you just offer love so unconditionally. So we say thank you. And Father, would your kingdom come, your will be done, not ours, individually or even as a church. Help us to get out of the way and focus on you. And would you take care of our needs? We have any number of needs. Um, would you watch over us? Would you take care of the needs of those around us? Would you help us be people who help take care of needs of those around us? Would you forgive us our sins? Because, Lord, more than we probably care to admit or even identify in our own lives, we missed the mark. So forgive us and help us to extend forgiveness to others. And then, Father, would you lead us not into temptation and would you deliver us from evil? We need your help in ways that we can't even see or anticipate. And for that matter, we often, so often take for granted. For yours is the kingdom and power and glory forever. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.